You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 15. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. So something I find interesting is on Facebook, you'll get all these little uh, quizzes all the time. That's like, you know, are you uh, more like Daenerys or more like Cal Drogo when you're dating? Or uh, are you a great dater or a lousy dater? What sex position are you? Yeah, there's, there's, and, and they're fun. I actually do them. I'm actually one of these people that takes uh, the time at two o'clock in the morning when I can't fall asleep to fill out stupid Uh, quizzes on Facebook. But one of the things that kind of annoys me is dating quizzes. And the reason why they annoy me is because most of the time, what they're really doing is stereotyping uh, bad dating people. Like, oh, you're the tough guy when it comes to dating, or you are the princess when it comes to dating. And most of these things are things that you really don't want to be when it comes to being a dating person. Like you don't want to be the overly macho guy or the guy who, uh, you know, can't hold a conversation, things like that. And, and they're almost marked as like a good thing. Like you fall into this category. And I think it gets into this whole idea of how you're supposed to date and why you're supposed to date that way. And the idea is that you, if you're a guy, you're supposed to either be like the super, super smart, like outsmart the other person guy, or I'm the big buff idiot, right? Like there, there isn't really a, (laughs) what is it? Adam ruins everything did. He did on alpha males. He did this thing on alpha males recently. Did you see it? Yes. That they're the, 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 um, you know, myths behind the alpha male idea. And, and the thing is, and that's what it is. It's like, either you're like the, the, I'm the alpha man or you're a sissy, you know, is like the idea. And and there really is an entire, you know, all kinds of people in between that. And just because you fall in different areas doesn't mean that you're bad at dating. And, and if you are that, I'm an alpha male, doesn't necessarily mean you're doing dating well. Uh, a lot of times it means that you're an asshole. And the reason why you're lonely is because you're a dick. So a lot of times these quizzes piss me off because I feel like people really feel like they have to fall into these uh, stereotypes. If you don't want to see those quizzes, there's this great plugin for Chrome called Newsfeed Eradicator that kills your Facebook newsfeed. And you can go on and still get your notifications and still post and still see your groups and not see your newsfeed. It's fantastic. Hmm. You knew that. You already know I do that. Why are you acting surprised for the podcast? I didn't realize it got rid of quizzes. I knew it. It gets rid of everything. Look, there's nothing there. It's just your, it's just your, 
just your posting box and your notifications and chat boxes up top in your groups, but your newsfeed completely disappears. It has saved me so much time in my life. That's cool. I didn't realize it like got rid of like all the things. It gets rid of, well, it gets rid of the newsfeed. Yeah. But going back to, going back to what you're talking about, I have to, I have to bump newsfeed eradicator though. Going back to what you're talking about, is it just the men? See, I don't, I don't really pay attention to these Facebook quizzes. Is it just the men things that you're like for males that you're talking about or? No, it's, it's not just for men. It's also, I, I'm using those because those are ones that annoy me the most. Um, but there's also like the whole idea of like, you're a dating princess and you're a goddess and a queen. And this idea that you can't like, you can't buy your date a drink if you're a girl. Like things like that, that just annoy me that are these ideas of what you're supposed to be like on a date and how you're supposed to date. And if you are, for instance, I took a a quiz not too long ago and my score came out to be, I act too much like the man when I'm on a date. No. <laughs> no. And not that that really bothers me because I sort of identify as not necessarily being gender norm all the time. Um, but any of the time, really? <laughs> I wear dresses sometimes. Uh, but beyond that, what what ticked me off was it was critiquing me in a negative. Like what you need to do to be better at dating is allow the person to make the first move, allow the person to pay for the date, allow and and basically was telling me that I'm bad at dating because I don't act like the stereotypical girl on a date from a movie. Were you like, I teach this shit for a living, motherfucker? Fucking Facebook quiz. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so it, it just annoys me. I mean, as I said, I think some of these quizzes are a lot of fun. Uh, but I think also the dating ones really just reiterate how society believes dating should go. And a lot of that is just bullshit. Uh, it's It's what we see as far as television shows and movies. But a lot of that is very outdated is the best way I can put it. Like it's, it's, is it outdated or did it never work? Um, I think some of it is outdated. I think some of it probably just never worked at all, but I think some of it is very outdated. Um, society is changing for the better. Uh, it's not like the whole, uh, a guy is supposed to just grab you on a date and do whatever he wants with you and not ask you uh, sort of stuff that you see back when, you know, they were recording Grease and stuff, you know, like it was totally cool to feel up a girl without having really any kind of consent. Like there's a lot of things that have changed for the better. And I feel like a lot of these quizzes have not reflected uh, the times or the positive changes that have been made. So, uh, yeah. The quizzes pisses me off, uh, which kind of got me to this whole idea of why do people suck at dating? Um, obviously, there are a lot of people who have a hard time with dating. Uh, a lot of my clients, in fact, are dating clients, whether they are single people looking for a partner or even poly people who are uh, secondaries looking for partners or even couples looking for partners and they suck at dating. And a lot of these things overlap no matter who you are, whether you're a woman or a man or a couple trying to date somebody. A lot of times they make the same mistakes and it really has nothing to do with being more 
masculine or more feminine. It has to do with how you go about dating and how you treat the person that you're on a date with. And it's interesting to talk to my clients. And a lot of times, you know, they do. They think that these are the things that are causing them problems. And after really working with them and getting to know them and talking to them and seeing what the issues are, there usually has nothing to do with those things. And there are some things that are very, very common that a lot of people do that kind of screw up their dating chances. All right. So nine reasons you suck at dating. (laughs) Now, are these just applicable to kinky people? No, uh, this is dating in general. So this could be if you're the most kinky kink people ever or not a kinkster or a poly person. We're going to talk about some things that might be a little bit more kink specific. Like everything we do. Like everything we do. Uh, But this is really how people in general screw up dating. All right. Reason number one. Is you don't know what you want or what you're offering. Okay, so I actually wrote a whole uh, blog post on this a little while back, and it's called, I think, Lousy Self-Awareness is Keeping You from Finding a Kinky Partner. Um, and it was funny because it was actually part of a series on kinky dating that I did, and I actually expected this to be one of the least popular posts. And it turned out to be one of the more popular posts in that series, which I thought was really interesting. I think it's something that a lot of people really have a lot of problem with. And the whole premise of that post is that there's really three questions that you should be able to answer before you start trying to find a kinky partner or really any partner. And those three questions are, number one, who am I? Number two, what am I looking for? And number three, the one that most people tend to ignore what do I have to offer? So I'll post uh, a link to that blog post in the show notes at atouchofflavor.com forward slash 015. But I just want to talk about it a little bit uh, and then we'll move on to the next thing. And then if you want more details, you can go and, and read that blog post. So the important thing to remember is that if you're looking for somebody that you actually want a relationship with, um, not just somebody that you're trying to fuck, that it's important to remember that there is a lot more to compatibility than kink, okay? Um, and even if you're just looking for like like a friend with benefits, right, or something along those lines, like you still need a certain amount of compatibility. Like you need compatible morals. You know, it doesn't hurt to have compatible interests, those kinds of things. So who am I, right? You need to have a really solid grasp on who you are. And I've got some worksheets that you can fill out with some of the more common questions that you should be thinking about in that blog post, all right? But some of the questions go from things like vanilla questions, like what are my ethics and morals? Uh, what do I enjoy doing? What constitutes physical attractiveness for me to more, you know, relationship ranging things like, do I want kids or am I at least open to having them? Do I want to get married? Those kinds of things. And then you've got the more sex focused questions. What type of sexual activities am I interested in? What will I not do? As we talked about in our last episode, I think, which was on the desire gap. Now, that was two episodes ago now, right? Because we did a Q&A. Uh, so that would be episode 13. You know, how much sex do I need to be happy? Like, honestly, how much sex do I need to be happy and how much sex am I willing to have? And then you get into kink and BDSM and all of those things, right? So once you have a, a really basic grasp on who you are, then you can 
go to answering the next two questions, which is what you want and what you're offering in return. And the thing to remember about that is, A, it is just as important to understand what you're offering in return as it is to understand what you're looking for. And a lot of people really neglect that whole aspect of it. Um, the second thing, though, is that you're going to have different, different types of relationships that you're interested in, right? And what you're looking for and what you're offering are not going to be the same in those different relationships. What you're looking for and what you're offering to, say, a friend is not going to be the same as what you're looking for and offering a primary partner and everything in between. So we have something that we do uh, that we use in a lot of our classes and with a lot of your clients now that's called Bubbles. And I will post the link to talking about Bubbles. We actually have a whole video on that, uh, on how to do that. Um, We actually teach an entire class on it, but we have a whole video on how to do that that I will link to in the show notes. But the very short version of it is you write down the different types of relationships that you're open to, right? Like I'd be open to friendships right now. I'd be open to friends with benefits. I would be open to fuck buddies. I'd be open to a primary relationship. And for each one of those, you write down what you're looking for and what you're willing to offer. A couple of things with that. Uh, Number one, just a couple of things you want to keep in mind when you're doing it is some things to consider when you're doing what you're looking for, what you're offering, things like time, sex, financial support, power exchange, those kinds of things. Second thing is to remember that you're not looking to shove people in one of those bubbles. This is just kind of a guidebook to help you understand what you're looking for and offering and help you communicate that to other people. It's a communication tool. Yeah, it is a communication tool. So I'm going to link to that blog post and I'm going to link to the uh, bubbles video in the show notes at touchaflavor.com forward slash 15. And if you want more details on those things, I suggest that you take a look at those two resources. So, um, yeah, that's the first one is not having that stuff down. The second reason people suck at dating is being too picky. And with being too picky, uh, of course, it's good to have standards. But if you find that your standards pretty much make you have not a dating pool at all. Your standards might be a little too high. Looks are definitely important. Uh, That's one of the things that Rigel and I talk about all the time when people talk about attraction and physical looks are important, but don't get hung up on necessarily being like, I'm not going to date someone because they're not six foot two, right? Like definitely evaluate how picky you're being about every tiny aspect um, uh, someone should meet the majority of what you're looking for and especially meeting your needs, but be realistic about how selective you're being. Like if you can't find anybody to go out on a date with because nobody meets your standards, your standards might be a little off. You might want to think about why you're nitpicking about certain things. If you can't find somebody who meets all of those things, uh, take a little bit of self-reflection and, and figure out what it is that you actually really do need and and what it is that you really do want versus, you know, an item by item list that uh is uh, you know, just a bunch of things that are not necessarily things that you really 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 need or really 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 want, but it would be the complete ideal person for you. Cuz if you're looking for the ideal person that meets every single thing that sounds good to you, you're probably not ever going to find that person. 
And I think you should actually, because you get this, I feel like a lot from men when it comes to looks for women. And you get men who are very, very picky about what they're willing to accept looks wise from a woman. And because of that, they never find anybody. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it can get to be, as I said, it can get down to being things like she's got to be blonde. She's got to have uh, at least, you know, she has to be at least five foot, whatever. She has to have thin legs and wear a size six shoe. Um, I mean, people that get that specific and it's. I feel like more than that, though, that when we've had these conversations before, I feel like more than like necessarily having a whole list of what someone has to look like, you tend to get people who are like, first off, I have a problem with rank rating women. Right. But I feel like you get a lot of people who are like, they have to be at least, they have to be a 10. Like I'm not yeah. going to date anybody less than a nine or a 10. And I feel like it's those people more so than the people who have these entire lists of criteria who, uh, have problems, especially since I feel like the majority of those people don't necessarily fall under that level of attractiveness themselves that they're looking for from a prospective partner. Yeah. And that goes into what are you offering, right? If you want a partner who is, say, uh, very, very athletic, very, um, you know, trim and spends a lot of time on their health and looks what are you doing for yours? Are you working out? Are you eating healthy? Are you doing things to keep yourself, uh, you know, cleaned up? And a lot of times there isn't a matchup there, right? Like I want to be able to sit at home in my pair of jeans and not care about what I want to eat, but I want to date somebody who uh, goes to the gym three times a week, gets their hair done and their nails done and is doing X, Y, and Z to look attractive. So that kind of also goes back to that whole, what are you offering along with it? And I do think that it's that idea of a lot of times that list that I was talking about falls into that idea of what a 10 is. Like in order to be a 10, you have to have all of these things, right? You can't be a 10 if you don't have all these things that are on this list. And that's just not, for the most part, that's not how people work. We all have our flaws um, Rigel, you're an incredibly handsome man. Like you are what most people would consider a, you know, an eight or a nine, right? Like you're Dear very- Dear Lord, please. I hate that enough when it's applied <laughs> to other people, not when it's being applied to me. But I'm, I'm, I'm using you as an example. I think it depends on the person though. I think uh, it depends on what the person is, considers attractive. I, I think that's everything. But I think for the most part, you are considered a very attractive guy. Um, but with that, how tall are you? Like five, six. Yeah. So you're short, right? So by basing your ideas on, well, in order to be a nine or a 10, you've got to be a six. You're excluding somebody who you, you mean six could, foot. Is huh? that what you mean? When you say a six, do you mean six foot? Yeah. You got to okay. be a, you got to be at six foot. Like it, it's excluding a large amount of people based on something that's a very insignificant thing. Like if, if they meet you as far as attractiveness on every level, um, but you're upset that they have a B size breast rather than a C size breast, but everything else about them is great. You might just be shallow um, and you need to fix that. So next problem with 
What's the third thing after being too picky? Not picky enough, Um, which kind of sounds like contradictory, right? Like you're being too picky or you're not being picky enough. But it tends to be different people who have these problems. It's not the same person having both of these problems. It's not usually the same person. Um, This is an either or. Usually uh, you fall into one or the other. And what ends up happening is a lot of times with the not being picky enough, this comes in because someone has been single for a long time. Uh, They have not been able to get into relationships. And what happens is you get this idea in your head that it's better to date somebody than to be alone. And the truth is, it's not necessarily, that's not usually the case. Like it's better to date someone you're compatible with or be happy alone than date somebody that you're not compatible with. Compatibility is a huge, huge, huge thing. Um, whether it's, you know, and, and we talk about compatibility on this show all the time, but as far as, um, you know, whether it's compatibility in kinks or sex or relationship goals, any of those things, uh, you have to have a certain point of this is what I need in a relationship. Um, I talked a lot with my co- my clients about wants versus needs versus ideals. And that it sounds like a lot of them might inter, you know be the same thing. Ideal is the perfect situation, right? And wants aren't necessarily things that you need, but would make you happy. And you shouldn't be giving up the majority of your wants. You might give up one or two of your wants, but the majority of the the wants that you you know you're going to want to hang on to. And your needs, you absolutely, absolutely want to make sure that you're getting met in a relationship. So when I talk to my clients, I talk about how to to kind of evaluate those things. And one of the problems that people have, especially if they've been single for a while, is they'll find someone who meets one of those big needs, right? This person meets my desire to be a submissive. She is the perfect mistress when it comes to the bedroom. She is fabulous. She knows how to do all the things with my body perfectly. And then what happens is the other side of that is she is completely incompatible with you as far as your life goals, your morals, or even your hobbies. And you tend to stick around just because you have one of those big needs being met. And you stay with that person, even though you're actually not really compatible with them. Yeah, I've. uh been talking a lot lately to somebody in the vanilla world who's very fond of the quote uh, that if you're not willing to walk away from from the table, like in a negotiation, you've already lost, right? <laughs> I kind of feel like it's the same for dating. Like if you're not willing to be single, you shouldn't be dating because you're going to put yourself in a lot of compromising situations um, that are going to be unhealthy for you, right? So so it, it can come to a point where if you're getting that desperate, right? And, and the thing is, it, when you get desperate, you're pretty much bound, A, to come across poorly to any potential partners, and B, to make mistakes that are going to badly affect both you and anybody that you're interested in. And when you get to that point, it can be good to just take a break and take a step back from dating and kind of focus on yourself for a while. All right. And you can always keep going to kink events and keep expanding your circle of friends and see what opportunities pop up your way. 
But if you know that you're in that mind space, you know, to where you're not going to be uh, enforcing the things that you need and looking out for the things that you want and making good relationship decisions, it might be time to take a step back. You know, and, and to kind of sum up this, this whole being too picky, not being picky enough thing, you need to make sure that your wants and needs are getting met most of the time, that you're getting more out of that relationship than you get being single, and that the benefits of that relationship outweigh the costs for you. The next uh, thing you're doing to screw up your dating uh, is you're looking in the wrong places. So uh, I actually do a um, online uh, dating course webinar. And one of the big things that I see from people when they hop on is, first of all, the dating sites they're looking at are crappy. They're not good dating sites for looking for the type of partners that they're looking for. Um, cause our, our, uh, webinar is targeted towards kinky people looking for kinky people. Right. And you'll find people who are looking on, on dating sites like Christian mingle or, uh, eHarmony. eHarmony. That was the which thing. is really, really biased actually in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, um, but this doesn't just talk, uh, th- this isn't just about where online it's also in person it's this idea of not going to the places that have the people that you want to date yeah i'll I'll kind of step in on this to say you know i think there's kind of this whole broader concept besides a specific location that you're looking that you'll hear us talk about a lot which is who you're looking for right because here's the thing if you're kinky and you know that you're going to need another kinky person to be satisfied, which is the case for most of us. The thing is, there really isn't much of a point in this day and age of you spending time looking in vanilla venues. It used to be when you read some of the older advice that was written on the topic, you know, back before uh, there were quite as large of communities around kink and things like that, that the advice was, hey, find somebody you're interested in, then, you know, kind of slowly try and introduce kink and work things out that way. But the thing is, you know, you're investing all that time and energy and things into a relationship that if kink is a deal breaker for you, somebody not being kinky and not meeting those needs, you may be investing a bunch of time and energy into a relationship that's never going to work. The thing is now the kink community is huge. There's places online like FetLife and things like that that didn't even exist 10 years ago that you can find tons of people in your area. And even if you live in a rural area, generally there's some place within driving distance that you can get to, or at the very least, there is you know, dating sites you can use to meet like-minded people and then go meet up somewhere. So there really isn't much of a point in wasting your time looking at people who aren't going to be compatible with you up front as far as they're not kinky, they're not involved in open relationships, whatever those alternative kind of needs are that you have. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny because when we talk about kinks and things like that, people don't put those kind of in the front, but you look at someone who's a vegan who only wants to date a vegan, they'll specifically go on vegan dating sites to date other vegans. Or if you're someone who's, you know, very much interested in uh, being athletic, there's actually dating sites that are specifically for being athletic and being uh, involved in sports. So those things are just as important, like trying to find someone who has those similar interests kink sex relationship style is just as important and in some ways even more important. So make sure that you're putting yourself in the right place, whether it's online or offline. And offline, I think the right place is generally 
to go find some non-play-oriented events in your areas, whether they're educational groups or munches or things like that, and get out and get around other kinky people. Mm-hmm. All right. Next thing is, hmm, hmm, you think people will change for you. <laughs> so we just met with somebody yesterday, actually, yeah. on an unrelated topic. Completely unrelated topic. Who said that the past is the future. Yeah. Uh, this idea that I'm going to get with someone. I know that there are these characteristics that are completely not compatible with what I'm looking for, but because I'm going to get with them, they will change for me. That is a horrible planning. Um, Really, people don't really change overnight. And generally, people don't change a ton. Some people do change a little bit over time, but genuinely, you're not going to see somebody who is a certain way just miraculously because you entered their life be totally different than who they've been before. It's just not how things work. And this idea of dating somebody who is a bad boy or a bad girl and you're going to fix them or is broken and I'm going to fix this person and, and, and put them on the right track. Or even this person is monogamous. I'm going to make them poly or this person's poly. I'm going to make them monogamous. The idea that you're going to get into a relationship and expect the person to be different than who they were when you met them uh, is just setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, I feel like we've actually been guilty of this once in our dating experience that I can think of where we dated somebody who had some problems and addictions uh, that we didn't know about necessarily offhand, but once we did know about it, it's well, you know, we can get them straightened out. <laughs> and that did not work out. And I, it never works out. The thing is, you know, people, the only way people drastically change as a general rule is if there is some major upheaval in their lives. And that upheaval is not going to be dating you. Yeah, it's, it's going to um, be something else in their life. And I will, I will add even on top of that, that most of the time, they kind of fall back into old habits after a time, even if they did have a drastic thing in their life. Most people, unless those changes have been persistent in their lives for a long time, they will fall back into those old patterns eventually. You have in here that your dating life isn't a fixer-upper. Yeah, like it, it's not like that's part of my notes in here. Literally, when I was thinking about this, I'm like, your dating life shouldn't be a HGTV episode like the fixer-upper. That's where you get a house and you spend the time fixing it up. You don't find a partner to fix up. If, if you need a project, buy a house. Believe me, we, 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 we're working on ours. <laughs> So uh, the next thing that you're screwing up as far as uh, your dating life is uh, you have absurd expectations. Now, does this fall into the whole, I'm not going to date anybody unless they're a 10 category? I think it's similar, but this tends to happen once you've actually gotten somebody sitting in front of you. So okay. like you're Do actually, tell. so this it's, it's the same sort of like, setting things up in your head before actually meeting a person. Um, And uh, typically this happens when you've maybe saw a picture or two online, or maybe you had an exchanging of a number and you get out on a date with somebody. And before really getting to know that person, you've put all these thoughts into your head of exactly what this person is going to be, how this relationship is going to go. 
and it tends to not go well because it's kind of creepy, right? Like if you come to a first date and sitting across from somebody and your your actions and your words are reflecting, you're like, we're going to get married and have three kids and we're going to have a DS relationship and everything's going to be wonderful. You're going to come across as a creeper, but people do it. Um, they have these unrealistic expectations of a relationship being something more than just sitting down at your first date and getting to know somebody. So don't do that. Don't come to a date and be like, you're everything I've ever imagined my dominant being. I'm going to marry you um, and we're going to have kids and we're going to get a dog and some fences. Just try to enjoy the moment. Like, Don't get like all these, because the thing is the person that's sitting across from you might not actually want any of those things that you're picturing. Or be any of those things or, that you're picturing. Yeah, or even be any of those things. Um, so come to when you're dating someone, when you're finally getting out on a date, come to that date with a clean slate. Like don't have kind of preconceived notions as far as who this person is. Even if you've read like a dating profile, people don't always tell the truth on those things. And it only gives you a small portion. Do you mean that people lie on the internet? People lie on the internet. Oh God. Um, yeah. So like, don't base it off of a profile that you read or a small interaction that you have with this person. Come to your date with a clean slate and an open mind to get to know that person. All right. Anything else on that? Um, I think that this, because I talked about how we have some kink specific things and, and, and things like that. I think, sorry, I keep hitting my mic. Uh one of the things that this shows up a lot, especially with, because uh, I said, talk about poly a little bit. If you're coming on a date as a poly person, don't expect that person to fit into a particular poly slot. Like, okay, you might be looking for a secondary or you might just be looking for a fuck buddy. But if, you know, go to a date and actually get to know that person before trying to fill them into a poly slot. Um, also couples don't do that either. Don't try to fill somebody into a spot, like get to know the person. Don't have expectations up front of who someone is before getting to know them. When you treat people like people, <laughs> you tend to get laid more. <laughs> it's a very we might need to tell Billy that he's kind of set like the, the recurring theme for this show. <laughs> when you treat people like people, they tend to want to fuck you. All right. Seventh reason you suck at dating. <laughs> the seventh reason you suck at dating is botching the first date. I feel like this is a huge one in and of itself. Like yeah. enough that it's actually spawned a couple of blog posts and things like that from us already on this topic. Yeah. Because you get a lot of people who can actually get the date, but they can't get past the first one. Like they're okay at actually getting somebody out, but once that person's sitting across from them, they never see them again afterwards. Yep. It's a very common problem. And uh, a lot of the things that, that people do that cause those dates to never become second or third dates are actually fairly easily fixed. It just takes a little bit of effort to uh, not do some of them. We actually have a blog post that is the... Uh, 11 immature dating habits that are ruining your chances. And I'm not going to go into all of those immature things that people do that kind of screw up dates. But 
There are a lot of things like that that are very simple that if you just didn't do them, you probably would have gotten a second date. So let's talk about the biggest ones. And then I'll link to the 11 dating habits that are killing your chances. And also, I think we have, it's like seven steps to surviving a kinky first date. And I will link both of those (laughs) in the show notes. Okay. So a couple of those like immature things that people do is going back to those things that like our friends or parents or relatives have told us are what you're supposed to do on a date, right? Um, For example, if you're a girl, you should be running fashionably late, right? You should be making the guy wait for you at the door while you get ready because, well, you know, you're supposed to do that. Or if you are the guy, right? The guy is supposed to pay for dinner. The girl is not. Um, And getting into this sort of, you know, I have to pay if I'm the man. Other things are like, uh, even after the date, for example, the idea of, I am going to wait until you call me afterwards. Well, the thing is, if you enjoyed your date with the person, why aren't you calling them, right? Like, um, it's these ideas that we've been given that are kind of, I like to call them the immature dating habits because they're things that like we learn when we're very young to do because that's what people tell us to do. A lot of times we hear it from our parents when we're in our teenage years dating um, that really are just playing games with people. And you're supposed to be an adult. You're supposed to be out on a date trying to connect with somebody. You shouldn't be acting like a kid playing games. A couple of things I'll throw in there. Complaining mm-hmm. about your exes. Oh yeah, that's a that's, huge one. That's a big one. And it's it's usually actually a red flag for me. If I go out on a date with somebody and they spend a lot of time complaining about their exes, uh, you know, just as a general rule, if they've had problems with all of their exes, usually they're the weak link in that chain. Um, and also if they like to complain about their exes, you know that you're going to be the next one that they're sitting there complaining about on a date with somebody else. So that's one thing. Talking about kink too soon, you know, going out on a date and the first thing that you talk about is kink and asking somebody, you know, what they're into and what they do this and what they do that and all those kinds of things. Yeah. And kind of treating people like they're like an item on a menu. Like, are you a dom? Are you into this fetish? You know, it it goes back to that idea of treating people like people and getting to know somebody, right? Like, taking the time and getting to know them versus uh, jumping into conversations uh, and pushing conversations that really aren't necessarily conversations you should have on a first date. You shouldn't be talking about like, uh, you know, are you, are you looking for marriage and children? So getting into those conversations really, really quickly is another very immature dating habit. So some other things that you do to botch that first date um, is sharing too much too soon. And this can be sharing too much like serious personal stuff, or it can just be sharing stuff that doesn't need to be shared. Um, every person has things in their life that are not fun, that are not exciting, that kind of suck, but you don't have to share that on your first date. Years ago in my early twenties, I had a guy take me on a date. He picked me up in his nice, fancy car, went to a beautiful restaurant, and we're sitting there, and he starts telling me he has a problem with dairy, which that in and of itself was not such a big issue. 
until he started going into kind of his GI issues, right? Like, I have really bad gas when I eat dairy. And I'm sitting there like, you didn't order anything dairy. Why are you telling me this? And it kind of set a yucky tone for the whole date. Like, all I could picture was this guy farting badly. So don't overshare, right? Like, what you're sharing during your date uh, should be upbeat and fun and interesting and relevant to the conversation that's going on uh, versus things that we all have things that are unpleasant about us. Don't share it on your first date or you're going to screw it up. (laughs) Another thing that people do on first dates, and this kind of pairs with that whole having unrealistic expectations, um, but it's a little different. We all get super excited when we go on a first date especially if we had saw somebody, we gave them our number, we hadn't really had interactions with them and they're our ideal as far as how they look, right? We're super attracted or maybe it's not looks, it's something else about them. But yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I get more like excited when I go out and meet somebody and I feel a sexual chemistry that isn't just looks based. Like we have similar sexual interests or things like that. Yeah. So whatever, whatever that might be, tone down the NRE and NRE is new relationship energy. It's a little too soon to get wrapped up in that when you're just first talking to somebody. Uh, NRE, we talked about it in a different episode about how uh, you might start doing things that are a little irrational, being a little obsessive, those sort of things. You certainly shouldn't allow your NRE to go off the rocker before you've even gotten on your first date. So you're going to your first date already like fluttered with NRE and oh my goodness, or maybe it's been your first date. Tone that shit down. And this is where being very self-aware is important. You know, if you're realizing, oh my gosh, I'm focusing way too much on this person. Like I can't even get through my, my work day because I'm so distracted by this person or I can't have a conversation without talking about this person and you just got to know them. Be a little self-aware and sort of do some self-talk and reel that in a bit. And also, um, if you're somebody who is prone to having NRE, like real deep NRE right away, perhaps you haven't been on many dates or you've been single for a long time, be aware of that. Like check yourself and be like, okay, uh, how I'm feeling right now is not necessarily what reality is. Just so that way you can keep yourself in a a realistic place as far as handling that person during your dates. Because if you're just starting to get to know somebody and you're kind of flying off your rocker as far as uh, getting all crazy with the NRE, that can really chase partners away can make people not want to date you because you seem like you might be obsessive or that you can't handle a relationship. So that brings us to reason number eight. Maybe these other problems aren't really your problem. It might just be you're not even trying. This is one of the biggest ones on this list. I have lots of people who come to me and say, I am bad at dating. And really what they're saying to me is, I have done nothing to get better at dating. I've, I've literally done nothing to increase the possibility of me finding a partner. Um, 
maybe they've had bad experiences in the past and they've kind of given up, but it's not even just those people. It could just be uh, you keep making the same mistakes and you haven't really put any effort in to trying to meet somebody. Um, whether it's you're sitting in the in front of a computer and never actually getting out on dates or you're never approaching people or perhaps you're just uh, ignoring anything as far as any kind of dating advice or anything else that you are getting. You just don't do anything to try to increase uh, the possibilities of finding a partner. And I think that is a, a huge problem that people have is that they say, well, I'm bad at dating and they just let that be it. The thing about being about bad at dating is that you shouldn't be bad at dating forever. Dating's a skill. I mean, it's like yeah. anything else. It's a skill you can learn and it's a perishable skill as well. Yeah. It, it's something that you can get good at. And it's something that if you don't practice, you'll get worse at. So um, if you're sitting there and you're just saying, I'm bad at dating or this isn't working for me, do something else. Uh, make a change, uh, whether it's uh, sitting down and reading a couple dating books or getting a, a dating relationship coach or whatever, but do something different. Don't just give up on dating and don't expect that it's just going to land in your lap. People are always told by their friends who have, you know, are, are well-meaning to say this, that at the right time, it'll happen, right? Oh, if you wait long enough, you'll get a relationship. It'll come from somewhere, right? It'll, it'll happen. Destiny will happen. And that's not actually how relationships work. You have to put the effort in, in order to find a partner. You have to put the effort into making uh, relationships work with a partner. It's all about putting that effort into it. Okay. And the ninth reason that you suck at dating? Is you ignore good advice. So I'll be the first one to say there is a lot of shitty dating advice out there. There is. Um, our friends, as I said, are well-meaning a lot of times will give us good advice some of the time and some of the time it's bad. And uh, there's some dating advice you should ignore, but definitely there is a lot of good resources and people have this tendency to be like, well, I know everything that I read says that I should do it this way but I'm going to continue to do it the way that I've been doing it that hasn't been working. And uh, I, I once saw this thing that's like the meaning of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And that's the problem is, is this idea of, I'm not gonna take this good advice that I see and change what I've been doing wrong over and over again. And it's funny because uh, actually our, our kiddo is a, a teenager right now. And I actually have two examples of this. And he, so, my, so our teenager is actually in a place now where he has a crush on a girl, right? And the other day we were having this conversation where I gave him a bunch of advice on how to approach um, this girl and ask her out um, to the uh, homecoming dance, right? And I'm a relationship coach. I'm not just his mom, right? I'm a relationship coach. And he refuses to take the advice that I give him. And we all kind of joke around and laugh about it because he's getting advice from both me and his other adult, um, who's a female, who are both bisexual women who date women. So we have the woman you know, perspective plus 
the perspective of dating women. Please hit the house. Just not <laughs> anybody in the house. So he's getting these two very helpful perspectives about dating. And you guess what he does? Absolutely none of the advice we give him. And uh, so it's this idea of you know you're getting good advice and not actually using it, not applying it. And the thing that really makes me crack up, um, even more so than my son, my son's coming around, is I'll have dating clients. So these are people who are getting into my programs, spending a good amount of money because it's, it's, a, it's a dating program. It's one-on-one coaching. They're it's, paying you a pretty significant amount of money just for your advice. Like that is literally what they're buying. Yeah, they're, they're paying me for my dating advice. And then don't do what I tell them. So I actually had a conversation with one of my clients not too long ago. I said to him, you know, we're, we're in our eighth or ninth session. And I've been telling you the same thing since the third session that you haven't done to change what's going on in your dating life. You've refused to do it you, and, and many other things as well he's, he's refused to do. But you're paying me to ignore my advice. So, and then you come and complain that you're not getting dates. Yeah, and that's, and that's what happens. So, so don't ignore good advice. Obviously, if you're getting advice from someone who is not necessarily a professional, take it and evaluate whether or not you think it's good advice. But if you absolutely know that the advice that you're getting is valuable and useful and has worked for other people, maybe it's time for you to stop ignoring that advice and make a change for yourself. All right, folks. So thanks for joining us today for nine reasons that you suck at dating. <laughs> Hopefully this was helpful for you. As I said earlier, you know, we actually have an entire series that we've done on our blog about kinky dating that covers in a lot more detail a lot of the topics that we touched on today. Uh, everything from, uh, you know, how to get to know yourself and what you're looking for from a partner, what you're offering, to where to find people, to how to survive a kinky first date. We're going to link all of those resources in the show notes. So go take a look at those. It's atouchofflavor.com forward slash 015. You'll see everything there. You can read the blog articles. You can listen to the other podcast episodes that we've done on these topics. Take a look at that stuff and see if it helps you out. And if you are at a point where you feel like you've done all these things and you've given it a try and you're still not where you want to be as far as your dating life, um, you might want to contact me, set up a, a consult and see if there's something that we can do uh, to improve that. You can go to a touch of flavor, a touch of forward slash contact. And we can, you know, sit down, have a discussion, see what we can do. All right. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the touch of flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. Giant priority. But that is your life priority. I mean... Not exactly my life priority. I mean, it's you can it's only have driving. one priority. That is the definition of priority. I you guess have priorities is an oxymoron. 
priority is the most important thing. You can't have multiple most important things. I don't know. I mean, my vagina is like the driving force behind 90% of what I do. (laughs) It's important to me. Like, think about how many times I will go and have a doctor. Like, if I have a problem with my vagina, it's like, okay, I'm having really bad cramps. I will make that doctor's appointment the next day. Like, I will see my OBGYN immediately. Now, if I've got like an ache in my arm, I'm like, oh, it's no biggie. You know, I don't really need my arm, but my vagina, I'm like, I need that all the time. Instead of what would you do for a Klondike bar, Cassie's version, what would you do for pussy? I do a lot of things. I'd even eat peas and I hate peas. It's my least favorite food in the world. I think you need more pussy eating in your life. I do. That I do. So listeners. Oh God. I am not soliciting for available vaginas. If you have an available vagina and are interested. And they're within a reasonable distance. <laughs> and are within a Or re- willing to travel. <laughs> and you can meet Cassie's health criteria for whose vagina she'd put her face in. Yeah, because that's true. I'm very selective as far as... You're not very selective. You have health concerns because you have a horrible immune system. I do. That's more necessity than... Yeah, I will die. <laughs> I'll die. Like, I'll just die. Like, I, I am like Murphy's Law... As a person, like I you can only have doctors so many times say, wow, like I knew that's technically possible, but I've never actually seen it before. Yeah. At this point in my life, like when that happened before, like one of the first times that happened was after like the first major car accident I had. And the doctor was like, oh, this broke and did this and this, this and this. That never happens. I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, like when they start calling other people in the room to look at your x-rays, like, look at this. Like, I've never seen this outside of a textbook. Yeah, I was like, this is really exciting. And now I'm like, I just want someone to be like, you have a cold. Or like, you have have a nasal infection. Like, I (laughs) really don't want to be the unique case anymore. I'm really tired of being the unique case. (laughs) Being like, how in the hell did you... End up with this thing on your foot that isn't even supposed to be in the U.S. Like, I just, no, I don't want to be unique anymore. I want to be normal. At least when it comes to health stuff. And pussy. I don't have to be normal when it comes to pussy. I can be very different. And <laughs> I, am, I am willing to be exceptional when it comes to pussy. <laughs> Not when it comes to health stuff. Are we going to record or not? We are recording. No, we're not recording. This isn't going anywhere. You better not put this in. How well did that work out for you the last time (laughs) you said that?